You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Reese Hall, the eye back, takes another handoff, runs left, finds some room, gets free. Down the sideline goes Brees Hall, inside the 30, inside the 20, breaks a tackle, 10, 5, touchdown. That's an icing on the cake jet touchdown for Brees Hall. Snow Angels in the offensive end zone for the Jets as they put this one away. Finally. As heard by Bob Wachusen with the call here on 98.7 ESPN. Finally, the Jets end the losing streak to the New England Patriots. Finally. It's the drive on 98.7 ESPN. Happy Sunday, everybody. 1-800-919-3776. Also via X, formerly Twitter, at Hardest to ESPN, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. Julian along with me until 9 o'clock tonight. Julian Krushnik. And ladies and gentlemen, Jet fans, And I know this was kind of tough, right? Because there's two things on the docket here. There was two things up for grabs for Jet fans today. The first thing was obviously got to stop that streak. 15 games is too many. It's too many. It's ridiculous how dominant New England had been over the Jets. That you have to go back to Ryan Fitzpatrick Touchdown pass to Eric Decker in overtime for the last time that the Jets beat New England, and that was 2015. It's unbelievable. It's been 15 consecutive games. So a lot of members of the Jet fandom wanted this game because it's got to stop. And for them, how great would it be on what will probably be the final game coached by Bill Belichick in New England, how great would it be? Players all week talking about it. Like they really want to win this game. So that's one side of it for Jet fans. But the other side of it is, okay, it moves our draft position significantly, right? We're trying to get that dominant old lineman that can help solidify this offensive line. We're trying to build for the 2024 season. And how we're doing that, obviously, there's a number of changes that the Jets need to make, but offensive line is number one in that situation. And so now you move from probably sixth, seventh, to what, 11, 12? So will that dominant offensive lineman be there? And so it was mixed. Jet fans were mixed. Now, some, and then there's some in the middle, some cynical Jet fans who are like, well, they don't pick the right people anyway, so what? <laughs> they don't know what they're doing anyway, so what? But no, if you're a Jet fan, you had to be happy with finally exercising that demon that is Bill Belichick and losing to him consistently for the past 15 opportunities that you had to beat him. Brees Hall was unbelievable today, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, what can you say about him? What can you say? In the weather, that and it's, it's, it's bad up there, okay? And I can tell you from having stood on the sidelines there on a number of occasions, it's windy, it's cold, it's, it's brutal. And for them to not have a snow, what's the, what, no, no, they're blowing the snow off? What? 
what what is this a a junior high school field here? This is the National Football League. We can't get a snow plow or something up there to to get the no, never mind. That's a whole other story. And for Jet fans who have been up there, you know how cold it is. So for Brees Hall to be able to do what he was able to do today, okay, and not only that, but for this offense, this offensive line that has been, you know, just brutal all season, for them to be able to help Brees Hall out and get some runs and do some things, it's amazing. It really shows you just how great a talent Brees Hall really is. And now that he's healthy, and hopefully he'll be healthy next season for the full season, and then you'll really be able to to understand what he can bring to the table for this team. To have that amount of yards rushing and receiving is great. And (laughs) only the Jets would miscalculate so that he's six yards short of having 1,000 for the year. You heard Robert Sala in the post game right here on 987 ESPN. He said because there was a miscalculation, we were trying to get him to 1,000, there was a miscalculation, and so he ends up six yards. Not 100 yards short, not 50 yards short, six yards short of having 1,000. Can't make it up. You just can't make it up. Of course, on this edition of The Drive, we'll take you around the National Football League. There are some interesting games going on right now. There's some interesting games that happened earlier today. Jacksonville had an opportunity to make it to the postseason. <laughs> no, not so fast, Trevor Lawrence. You're going to be watching the playoffs at home. We'll give you more details about that a little later in the show, the final hour, about 8 o'clock or so. We'll turn our attention to a little basketball. We'll talk about some Knicks and Nets and how those teams are working. But of course, we're talking to you about some football right now. 1-800-919-3776. By the way, we get to the calls in a second. Uh, Philadelphia's got some serious trouble going on, ladies and gentlemen. If you're an Eagles fan right now, you have some major concerns. This football team is not the same football team that we saw earlier in the season. They are struggling. They were blasted by the Giants in the first half. And they rested some people already, and now they have just decided to rest. Hurts is out in the second half. Uh, a couple of the offensive linemen are out in the second half. I mean, they they have they've made the decision. They've got a lot to fix on this new on this um, Philadelphia Eagles team if they're going to do anything in the postseason. Defensively, they are lost. They are lost. They can't. They the receivers are wide open. They are struggling. They are really really struggling. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. And of course, Dallas is lining up for their spot, trying to win the uh, division. And a little bit later in Sunday night football, even though Buffalo now is already in, they've got a playoff spot and they're going to be dangerous in the postseason. Okay. They're going to be dangerous. They've been there. They know what it takes, but they have a battle with the Miami Dolphins tonight to see who wins the AFC East. So we'll keep you up to date. We're here till nine. Let's get to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Ira's in Staten Island. Happy New Year, Ira. Start us off on the drive. Hey, Happy New Year, Larry. And uh, <clears throat> I'm on the part that, you know, I, I love that they beat the Pats today. And mm-hmm. you listen, yeah, I know what the season turned out to be. But, you know, the in Hall, I mean, well, what a performance by him. Um, I didn't realize how bad the Pats were. I mean, they were really <laughs> pathetic, and it's come full circle. 
But I, I got to ask you this, and, and mm-hmm. listen, you know how I feel about the coaching staff. We all sure. know about the offensive line. I don't, you know, I don't want to be negative tonight, okay? But you just look back at the two games that they went to Tim Boyle. Now, I, I know what Simeon is. You know, everybody does. But I, I, I don't understand, and I can't hear, wait to hear what Douglas has to say tomorrow. And I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to reveal, reveal any information that we should really want to know. But I think – they, they, there was a real bad miscalculation, and they say, "Well, Simeon, he needs time to learn the playbook." And nonsense, you know, he, he was a proven veteran. I'm not saying the season would have been different. I'm not saying they would have gone to the playoffs, but that a, a Atlanta game, there's a good chance he wins that game. And you know what? You know, maybe they would have won eight or nine games this year. It's uh, it's unfortunate. Hopefully, that Joe Douglas and his staff learn from their mistakes. Hopefully, they get this right. And they got a lot of things to do, but they got to prove it to me. There's some certain pieces in place, but they still got a lot of work to do. You're right, Ira. Uh, thanks for the phone call. Uh, listen, I, everybody thought that I spoke with that Trevor Simeon would have obviously been an upgrade over Tim Boyle because of the fact that he has at least played and won some games in the National Football League. Now, we know it's been a while. We know that he is not, you know, the greatest of the backup quarterbacks available. But, Ira, this goes all the way back, my friend, to the to, to training camp. This goes all the way back to not having somebody in training camp. We, we've had this discussion. We've had it. You and I talked during, before the, before the training camp started about how, you know, they had to upgrade themselves at, at, at backup quarterback. That there's no way that you could start the season with Wilson as the backup quarterback. I mean, we all had these conversations. We had them. We knew. So the fact that they were even in that position. But once again, it just seemed as though whatever, whatever they were determined to do, when they brought Zach Wilson in, they just, they just, it was all on him. They were, it was lock, stock, and barrel, Zach Wilson. We know what he can do. We know what he brings to the table. We know what happens with him. He's our guy. From the time of when he first came in, not having a backup quarterback even then to help him out. So once again, and, and I'm not saying that had they done that, he would have been better than what he is. We don't know. I, I, we don't know. But for you to have seen him perform and for you to have made the move you did to go out and bring in Aaron Rodgers because you knew that Zach Wilson wasn't going to be the guy for you. And then for you to not realize that because of, listen, and it's not people will say, well, because of his age. I mean, how many quarterbacks went down? This, how many Regular season quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks went down this year. A bunch of them weren't 40. A bunch of them weren't 39. There was some much younger who went down this year. How could you find yourself in that position to not have some depth? And then after Rodgers went down, you had opportunities to improve yourself in the backup quarterback position. And you're right, Ira. After a couple of weeks, when you brought in Simeon, you still had the opportunity to start him a little bit earlier. 
Okay, you could have brought him in maybe a week or two earlier. Now, would it have made a difference? We'll never know. But how, what made you think? What did you see in practice to make you think that Tim Boyle was going to be the answer? That he was going to be substantially better than Zach Wilson? Did he get rid of the ball faster on occasion? Yeah, he did. He's not a guy that holds on to the football. That's true. And that was something that Zach Wilson did on occasion. Yeah, he held on to it too long. Yeah, that, but other than that, what what did what did Boyle do? So that was just one of the things, Ira. And you're right. There, there's a lot. And I'm very curious to hear what uh, Joe Douglas has got to say. This was really a, a an epic failure because they didn't prepare for the possibility of injuries in key places. Can you, listen, can you prepare for having enough offensive linemen that you're going to have to start 15 of them? Absolutely not. Nobody, nobody's nobody's going to blame them for that. That's incredible. And they lost one today. Tipman left the game. So they lost another one. All right, so no, there's, there's no preparation for that. Of course not. We get that. We understand. It. No preparation. For, you can't prepare for that. But not having a better backup quarterback? No preparation for that? I mean, come on. That's, that's, that's not the right answer. It just isn't. So that's behind them. So, so now it starts. Who, who are you drafting? If that person's not there, what's the game plan? What's the backup game plan? Right? And how are we getting better wide receiver? And the most thing, most important thing, how are we going to improve this team? What's our financial situation? What's our cap situation look like? Okay, you, you heard Bryce Huff in the post game. He made it clear. He's, there's going to be no hometown discount for him. All right, he wants to get paid. And listen, a player in the National Football League, I understand what he's saying. In the, in the sport that the guaranteed contract is not really guaranteed, <laughs> I mean, you don't get all your money that, unless you're uh, a rare player in this league, all your money is, is guaranteed. That, that's, that's not the case. So obviously he wants to make the most he can and should. So what's the game plan if you don't sign him? What's the cap relief? To make, to make good on moving on some other players. To try to make this team better. That's the goal. And the formula they used last year, throw it out and pick up another one. We'll continue the conversation on you, with you, on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. He turned a corner at some point in the second half of the season where his play style right around the Atlanta game just completely shifted into where it looked like, one, he was completely healthy, and two, just the mindset to run and finish and not trying to get the big one, but to take what the defense was giving. And it's not a coincidence that it followed with great production. And, you know, if he continues that mindset and he keeps that going into next year, he's going to be a problem. He definitely is. That's Robert Sala talking about Brees Hall and his brilliant performance today in Foxborough that finally ended the 15-game winning streak by the New England Patriots over the Jets. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Giants rolling over the Eagles. Eagles just got a field goal, so now it's 24-3 in the third quarter. Uh, let's get to you on the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Uh, Subi's in Midtown. What's up, Subi? 
Hey, Larry, we all remember the Jets' uh, defensive lapses against the big teams this year, especially the Cowboys. I remember that game and thinking if they were sleeping or not. So next year, I don't want that to happen again. How do you think we can solve that issue? Because they ranked an average 15 sacks per game uh, this year, and I think that's average compared to the rest of the league. So what do you think? Uh, how, how can they fix that issue? Do they get a defensive edge who can actually get sacks? That's all I got. That's all I got to say. Thanks. All right, Subi. Thanks for the phone call. Uh, listen, they're going to hope that some of their guys take that next step. Will McDonald's got to take that next step. Once again, the situation with Brees Hall. Uh, are they going to sign him? Are they going to bring him back? But more importantly, Subi, for me, I think they need to do something to try to uh, address their issues with the run. Because for me, their inability to stop the run has put them in situations where they end up being, I mean, the run game has allowed them to be in situations where they, where teams are second and third and maybe five or six. So it's very manageable what they've been in. It's been very manageable for other teams' offenses. And that's what has put them in that position. So that's number one. Number two, other than personnel, uh, it would be nice if the Jets would be able to be in a position, okay, where they offensively, their teams are ahead. Okay, so that by being ahead, now you're playing a different type game defensively. You're now dictating what can happen. It's been so rare this season when we see the Jets play with a lead. I mean, even today in, in, in bad weather, you saw it's a little different how you can dictate when the team is ahead of you when when you're ahead offensively and the team has to play catch up. But but the biggest thing for me is they have to do a better job uh with their with their uh run run the, uh, stopping the run. Got to do a better game better job stopping the run. And the other thing I think Subi aside from personal there's going to be some personal mix-ups and changes anyway. But I really think they they, they got to be a little better, a little better in communication. They got to be smarter. And they have to be able to get off the field on third down. That's the biggest thing for me. And once again, part of that is what you give up on the first two downs. In some cases, the first down. And the other part of it is making sure that you get off the field on third down, not trying to, you know, being disciplined, uh, not roughing the passer, because this team leads to, has, has always been among the lead leaders in roughing the passer penalties. And I get that subjective depending on what's going on with the particular crew that's there. But nevertheless, you have to be smart enough to know what you can and cannot do. And so there's a number of things defensively this team has got to do uh, to get them back. Once again, you understand the, the constraints they were under. They were on the field a lot. All right, but listen, New England's defense was on the field a lot. And you saw what they were able to do. And they had a bad team. Their offense was as bad as the Jet offense. If, in some cases, a little worse. Jose is in Brooklyn. Jose, you're next on the drive. Hey, good evening, Larry. Uh, shout out to the company. And just, you know, definitely needed to call in on this, you know, last game that is the New York Jets season. The long nightmare is over. And <laughs> now we can, you know, focus on, you know, what ha you know, what what the future brings, you know, because and I know, you know, you got colleagues there 
you know, really rooting hard for the Packers because the last thing we need to see is, you know, Derek Carr sneak into the playoffs as a, as a wild card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how about that? Oh, man, because you, you, know, you, you know me. I'm one of those callers that, you know, do remind people when, they, when their takes are wrong. Mm-hmm, so here's the mm-hmm. thing with, you know, you know, here's the thing with me with the Jets, you know. Now that, you know, hopefully we can finally, you know, move forward, look towards the draft, look towards, you know, free agency. I don't know what else they can do. I know that they do have money coming off the books, you know, because of the fact that all the people that Rogers brought in, with the exception of Alan Lazard, um, are going to be pretty much be gone next year. I doubt that they'll be returning with how bad their play was. Um, but I... I I'm just still very reticent because it's just like, even if we wanted to hide, you know, hide the cake and eat it too, as the phrase we normally say, which is, you know, if we, if we went after Rogers, which was the right move, then the, to me, the biggest fallacy was the pick swap that we did mm. with green Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause to me, that was the, that was the moment where I just said, we're, we're, this this is going to hurt us because seeing Broderick Jones in Pittsburgh, seeing him not get hurt, watching him have a pretty very good season, and where there was no adjust, where there was like no need to worry, like uh, you know, an example like an Andrew Thomas, where it took him a couple of years, et cetera, et cetera, you know, to see him play very well. That means that we wouldn't have had to have depended on a 38-year-old Dwayne Brown. We would, you know, possibly still hide Makai Becton's, you know, weaknesses on the right side. Mm-hmm. We're not having AVT switch positions, you know, just because you don't want to put the backup tackles in because you don't think they're ready. It was just, a, you know, it, I, I just felt like that was the domino effect that hurt the offensive line. And at the end of the day, you know, that, that along with not having a back backup quarterback is, you know, the two biggest reasons why this season blew up. And hopefully we can be able to, you know, fix the addresses and concerns because, you know, Bart Scott, I think, had the right point where, you know, Mike Tannenbaum, like, kind of converted Brandon Moore and they had two, their two, two, two foundational pieces in Mangold and um, the Brick. So hopefully, you know, we can be able to work a miracle like that we that we did, you know, at that time. So let's see. Have a good one, Larry. And don't worry, I'll give a break from the next trade, you know, day-by-day analysis. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jose. Thanks for the phone call. It, it's – this is really – something that Joe Douglas has got to get right. I mean, this offensive line situation, they've got to straighten it out. I don't care who's back there. they got to get this right, and especially if Aaron Rodgers is back there. Okay, so are there any uh, – first of all, they, and I don't know how you can even grade the offensive line play for most of the guys this year because most of them were hurt. I don't know how you can grade them. How do you, how, how do, you do it? How do you do it? Becton started out strong. It was not good. He still is a guy that is vulnerable to the quick move inside. You, you've seen it when people started out on him, defenders. They do a quick move. They bring him. They get him off leverage, and they go back. Now, I mean, is he coming back? I mean, I don't know. I would think not. But once again, I don't know what the depth of this offensive line is going to be. They may have to bring him back. They may have to bring him back as somebody on the depth charts, right? Dwayne Brown, 
Are you ready to do you want to bring him back? I mean, he what did he, he hardly played this year for you. Is he going to be and he's going to be a year older? Does that mean he's going to be available for you next season? I mean, and, and the biggest question mark for me is Elijah Vera Tucker. He is your best alignment. Can't stay healthy. So, I mean, once again, if you're Joe Douglas, what do you do? You have spent resource after resource after resource in trying to get this offensive line better. Has to in trying to get it better. You've gone free agent route. You've gone draft route. You've, you've, you've done just about everything. You've gone waiver route. And he's not been able to get it done. He just has not been able to. It's not fallen right for him. And listen, he's not alone in looking for offensive linemen. Everybody's looking for offensive linemen. You know, Kansas City would love a couple of tackles <laughs> to help out Patrick Mahomes. So everybody, but see, that's the situation. They're looking for a couple of tackles, but they're still able to win because, A, they haven't had the amount of injuries the Jets have, A, but, B, also the depth of the people that have they've had, they haven't had injuries across the board. So, I mean, they've got to find a way to build this offensive line and build some depth because this is now the second consecutive season that they've lost so many offensive linemen. 1-800-919-3776. More of your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. You know, obviously it's not what anybody wanted. We, we understand that, uh, you know, we, we would like to put a better product on the field for the fans and for ourselves. Um, but, you know, you see the fight and the grit we had and play with every week. We've got some young guys, some experience. And we started 2024 20, off on the right note um, with some momentum. John Franklin Myers on the 2023 season for the Jets. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. We got about a little over 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Raiders with a 24-7 lead over Denver. For Green Bay, it's winning you're in. For them, they're up 17-9 in the fourth quarter. Let's head back to the phones. Corey's in Edison. Corey, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. Thanks for taking the call. You got it, Corey. What's so, up? Um, I agree with your point very well taken about uh, our D-line as far as needing to stop the run better. Um, I think that it would be smart for us to invest in that second D T position next to uh, Quinn and Williams, mm. even though I love him at the expense at maybe um, bringing back Bryce Huff back. Cause I think not only will it stop, um, help with the run early downs against teams that are, you know, have really good lines like the Cowboys and uh, Cleveland who gave us problems, mm-hmm. but it'll also help you get the most out of your Quinn and Williams investment. So he'll be able to get those single, you know, those uh, single teams and be able to get, you know, back to those 10 to 15 sack numbers. Yeah, I agree with you, Corey. That's that's not a bad call. Thanks for the phone call. Because Crennan Williams, and you saw it earlier today, uh, Crennan Williams just bull rushed one of the tackles for New England because they they were blocking him. They weren't double teaming him. I mean, everybody double teams <laughs> Crennan Williams. Yeah, because he's a dominant player. He just is. And so, yeah, they, they've got to make some adjustments on that defensive line uh, because, listen, your identity is defense, and you've got to do a better job at stopping people. Okay, I'm, you do. I mean, as the season went on, this defense got very sloppy. Got very sloppy. 
It was unacceptable. I mean, and they started missed tackles. There was a lot of issues. And once again, I get it, you know, injuries and guys, you know, situations happening and guys out of position and not conversating and not communicating and stuff like that. I know these things happen. But this is a team whose identity is their defense, and this is a team whose defense has got to be, you know, for next season, they've got to take that next step. They were very good. Listen, they were a very good defense early. Very good. But they need to be better in a lot of situations. And once again, it's about getting off the field on third down. They got turnovers early. They, they, were, do, they were playing extremely well. Extremely well. He tailed off at the end, and, and it cost them. It cost them. Chris is in Staten Island. What's up, Chris? Hey, thanks so much for taking the call tonight. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks for calling, Chris. Want, what you got? Thank you. Uh, I just wanted to add into a point like you were talking about earlier, and the best thing that I just heard you say was you were talking about identity. And the offensive identity, the problem with this team is I really don't think they know what their identity is. For example, they want to be a what they call an outside zone run mm-hmm. type of team. Mm-hmm. But they don't have the plays up front to run that scheme, okay? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that tackle who's quick on his feet, like take a look at Mekhi Becton. He doesn't belong in an outside run type Mm-mm. scheme. He's not fast enough. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna if you're gonna have an identity of that outside run as opposed to a power team, then you have to when you draft plays. You need to actually draft a play that fits your scheme. And if they don't fit your scheme, then you have to really coaching comes in at that point, and you need to coach those players up and put them in their best chance to make that team successful. And the Jets with uh, their offensive line uh, coach Carter mm-hmm. was absolutely terrible in that this year. And I'm so surprised how well Brees Hall did because you know what? He almost had a thousand yards running, and I think he had a total of like fifteen hundred yards this year behind a terrible one. <laughs> I really appreciate you uh, taking my call, and uh, hopefully you can give me some good commentary on that. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, All right, and Chris, have a great and, and thank you for calling. Listen, you're you're correct, and I had this conversation during ESPN New York tonight with Gordon Damer and I when we chatted with Rich Samini on Thursday, and I asked Rich, "Are they going to have to change their blocking scheme?" because of the way that they have built players. And see, this is what happens when you don't have uh, continuity in your coaching staff. Because the coaching and general manager who is there at the time, and Joe Douglas had the draft, so it's more of the coaching staff and offensive ideas and, and identities, they drafted people to run. So listen, we're doing a power running game behind Makai Beckton. Mow people down, let's run behind him. All right, so now you bring another coordinator in and they change the philosophy and you have linemen who don't follow the same philosophy that this play caller wants to run. And so you're right, Chris, that has to be examined again because right honestly, the identity for this Jet offense is Aaron Rodgers. So to them, they do have an identity. So much to the point that they weren't able Nathaniel Hackett was not able to adjust the play calling for somebody else because the identity was Aaron Rodgers. 
I mean, how could that be? You mean you can't sit down? Um, there's video on Zach Wilson. You can't sit down and figure out, see, what, what the things that he does well, which seems to be the off-schedule plays where he's rolling out in the schoolyard football, where he's rolling out and throwing the ball all over the field. That seems to be when he was most comfortable. So you couldn't do a couple of things where you roll him out, move him out of the pocket, let him run a little bit, let him use his speed, let him do some things. You couldn't do those things? I mean, how many times did you listen to Bart and Han Monday through Friday from noon to 3? Here on 9870 ASB, and hear Bart talk about the pony play. How many times have you heard him talk? How many times have you heard other people, analysts, former players, talk about different offensive plays that you could use because the offensive line is struggling and you got a quarterback who can't sit there and hold the football forever? And he was never able to do it. I mean, did you hear him in his final uh, press conference this week saying he didn't know that 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 Brees, Brees Hall could catch the football? I mean, what were you doing during training camp? I mean, that's, that's unacceptable. You didn't think that Aaron Rodgers was going to throw the ball to Brees Hall? <laughs> you, you didn't think that was that was the situation? So that's the issue that this Jet team has. That's why there's so many things that has to be, uh, you know, revamped for the next season going in. Because I'm telling you right now, Robert Sala's in a tough spot. Because it's, this is it. They have to make the postseason next year at, at minimum. They have to make the postseason. And for them to do that, there's a lot of things that has to change. Because, and, and once again, same discussion with Rich Samini, Aaron Rodgers coming back, they're still going to be lined up for a number of primetime games next year which means you're going to be in situations where you're going to be in short weeks. You're going to be on a Thursday. You're going to be on a month. It's going to be short week, a number of short week games. And they are horrible during the short week. Even Robert Seller, by his own admission, said, you know what, we're still figuring out some things. We tried four different things during the four short week games, and none of them have worked. So there's a bunch of things that have to be revamped. Coaching-wise, they have to do a better job teaching. There's a number of things that has to improve for this Jet team, other than personnel. Other than personnel. There's a number of things that has to improve for this Jet team so that they are ready for whatever players to come in. The discipline's got to improve. The mistakes have got to cut down. They have to be more mentally focused than they were this season. 1-800-919-3776. We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.